The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Chosen, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this new streaming TV show. And joining me today on the panel are Mike Denz. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Joanne Mercier. Hello, Joanne. Hello, hello. Uh, folks, if you have not yet done so, I recommend that you subscribe to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. So we're talking about this new, this phenomenon, this new thing that has kind of hit in the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, and kind of in the first half of this year, uh, called The Chosen. It is a streaming TV series that's planned to be a multi-season show about the the life and ministry of Jesus. And it has kind of it's kind of a phenomenon in several different ways, uh, both in behind the scenes and uh, in how it presents Jesus. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. And so uh, we, we're going to talk about the first season. It's an eight episode first season that kind of covers the beginning of Jesus's ministry, uh, the, the first part of it, some of the major highlights of it, the gathering of the of the apostles. Really, it's the gathering of the apostles that happens here. And uh, the, and we're going to talk about the different aspects of it. Uh, but I, I want to start out by first just asking your first impressions overall, like with just at the, at the 30,000 foot level. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go second, Mike, because I know you've you've you you're the one who brought this idea to me to do this show. So I'll I'll, I'll give you the uh, last word on first impressions. But Joanne, what was your overall impression on this? Well, at first I wasn't sure what to. Um, I'm I can be a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to dramatizations of the Bible, the life of Jesus. So I kind of go into it with, okay, what angle do they want to take this time? Mm-hmm. And and are we going to use biblical? You know, is Jesus only going to speak the words from the Bible? Is we is he going to talk other ways? You know, how are they going to depict everybody? Um, and the first episode, I have to admit, I kind of sat there and said, "There are seven more of these I have to look at, huh?" Hmm. But it drew me in, and that's what I was surprised about. It actually drew me in. I I have issues with some things from many different perspectives, especially since I'm someone who does um, faith formation right now for a living and how to present such things to others. But I have to say it drew me in and it was the personalizations, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how each of the characters, you really got to know who they were as a person at that time that really made a difference so I, I'm I'm pleasant question quote unquote quote quotation marks question marks pleasantly surprised, I guess. Mike, I, I am going to give you the last word, so I'll give my overall impression first, which is uh, I was I was also skeptical going in. I'm 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 usually very skeptical of quote unquote Christian movies. Uh, now I, I love biblical epics, you know the the swords and sandals sort of things, Ben Hur, and you know I love the Passion of the Christ. This is not like any of those. <laughs> it really isn't. And uh, as I as I came into it, I was like I said, I was a skeptical. But as I what and I and the first episode was hard because and we'll and I will explain why it was hard as we get into it. But once we got into it, and especially from the end of the first episode and then each subsequent episode, I'll be honest here. I I'm Sicilian, so I'm kind of emotional. I cried every episode at least once uh because there were touching moments that just really i don't know there's something it it hit me in the right place that made me connect what i was seeing on the screen with the teaching of jesus especially the teaching of mercy and love and that's one that's what really drew me in so uh, that's my 
50,000 foot level impression. Mike, uh, I'll let you uh, go next on your first impression. Yeah, I'm at about 46, 47,000 feet. Um, (laughs) My first overall impression, I actually saw, and I think they released this close to, I don't remember how close to Christmas this was, uh, but, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but they had a pre-episode called The Shepherd, where they, from the point of view of the shepherds, Hmm. And and this will make more sense to I mean, I'm I'm assuming everyone's watched it, but you 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 understand the different kind of perspectives that they're giving us that are unlike other biblical movies they're getting. And they did that on purpose. So the whole story is told from the perspective of the shepherds. And I was really impressed with that. Of course, I love Christmas, so that helped. Yes. As I watch the episodes we're talking about today, episodes one through eight, uh, which deal with, you know, the part of the Bible that happens after Jesus is fully grown. I, I was like you guys. What are they done to do? What are they doing? You know, I have a master's degree from Francisco University. Dom and I are probably both <laughs> approaching this from that skeptical, hmm, you know, are they, what are they, what, what are these evangelicals uh, going to do here? Let's see what they're, you know, is this going to be cheaply done? And they're just figuring people will go because they're Christian. Uh, and... I, I was drawn in. I, I I watched the first few. I I told my wife about them, uh, and I, I I it did draw me in. It did make me think. I I I just liked the way they were doing certain characters. Just they really resonated in a, in a way that I didn't think would. I, I and we'll talk about that. I just didn't think it would work the way they were doing it, and it really did. And uh, and then, as we'll we'll talk about it with the the presentation, they they did a a, a big um, Easter uh, Holy Week YouTube thing where they released them all. It was brilliant, um, and somehow they managed to make it during a pandemic, so everyone was home looking for stuff to watch, <laughs> which really was right. like God's like, we're going to get this thing watched, but I'm going to have a pandemic, so nobody has anything to do. Um, so that 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 all kind of snowballed and. Our fellow Stuby slash uh, co-workers in the vineyard, so to speak, uh, started popping up uh, saying, has anyone seen The Chosen? This is really, you know, this is good. And uh, evangelization started to be a, a common theme. I kept on hearing about it. This is really good evangelization, this, this series. You know, it's what's one of the things that makes this interesting is that it's completely outside the studio system. This doesn't go through. It's not on Netflix or Amazon Prime. The the it's 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 crowdfunded, completely crowdfunded. They raised ten million dollars for the first season, and it's and it's a sort of a unique model where now if you watch it, you, you can only watch it on an app, so on your iPad or whatever you can you can stream it to Chromecast or to uh, Apple TV, which is how I watch it, or Roku or all these other ways, or just watch it on your phone or your uh, or your uh, your pad. And uh, so there's that. But when you watch it, they offer like you know go ahead and watch it for free. But you could pay it forward. So make it like you're watching it for free because someone else, you know, gave money, made a donation for for this. And so that paid it forward for you. And you can, if you wish, pay it forward to someone else. And then once you've done that, then you start getting notification. These people all got to watch it because you gave. I think it's a brilliant funding model, mm. frankly. Um, and they funded the whole first season uh, the, the, uh, up front. And then they've got the... Uh, Four, four of the next season's episodes. So uh, episodes one through four already funded. They're working on the fifth episode. They're they're planning seven, eight episode seasons to co- cover the three year three years of the ministry of of Christ. So uh, it should be interesting. So it's an interesting model that they've chosen, in, so to speak. And <laughs> no, pun intended. no pun intended, of course. And uh, so I, I thought that was a f- uh, fascinating, just the way that they decided to produce this. Yeah. Watching it through an app, I think, is genius because everybody has a streaming device on them, whether right. it's a phone or a tablet. You can watch it on your computer, but it's a whole totally different experience. And I think you have to I have a feeling you had to you have to have given you have to have actually donated to unlock it on a computer yeah but they want it seems like they want it in your pocket or they want it on your person right sort of like a bible 
for example, <laughs> it's sort yep. of like scripture. Um, so I think I agree with you. I think that is very genius. You can also buy a DVD, like you can or a Blu-ray. You can you can buy a physical disc from them too, which is uh, you know because why not? <laughs> but I think you're right. They primarily want it to be a streaming experience that people can have on their personal. I mean, it's an app on my phone. It's not even a like a website you have to go to to stream. So uh, it is uh, really smart. And it is still uh, available on YouTube. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, so you can you know, do a search for the chosen and find it there. Awesome. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the production values of of the thing of the the show. It was some pretty good production values. I liken it to um, a syndicated TV show. You know what I mean? So not like network TV, but like a one of these syndicated, uh, like a like something like a USA uh, USA channel. Uh, I might be dating myself because I don't watch a lot of cable. TV now, but like a like like a like a pretty good cable TV show, yeah, um, TBS or TNT or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not quite like the Vikings on History Channel, which is really like they they go they spend a lot of money on each episode. This is more of uh, you can tell the 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 costs are a little lower, but it still looks good. Uh, it's not you know a bunch of people wearing bathrobes <laughs> on set. No, I thought that the the only the only thing I would say there is they they got to dingy up their Romans a little bit. Uh, yes, the the Roman guys walking around looked like they they not quite, but almost like could be in a play or something. Yeah. They they just look too clean. I mean, these guys, you know, they should be dirty too. But but other than that, every every other thing you you know, right there with Jesus of Nazareth as far as the sets and and yeah. uh, and the people. Um, you know, authentic looking Middle Eastern people playing, you know, I mean, it all, yes. it all worked, uh, you know, very well. So it, it didn't, you didn't have to suspend, you know, your, your belief a little bit and say, okay, I'll just work with this there. They got all these blue eyed people playing Jews. Okay. That, that worked. You know, it, <laughs> right, it wasn't like right. that. It was done, you know, or Max von uh, Sydow well. in the, the, in the, Jesus of Nazareth, you know, with the blue eyes. Yeah, know. the blue eyes never blinks. I'm like, I don't. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> he looked a lot like Jesus, except for that. If they just would have given him some if they would have had a way to get rid of that, you know, yeah. you know, if it would have been CGI back then. So one of the things I wanted to mention in, in regard to this is there are some anachronisms. So it's like like a TV, like it's kind of like um, Hercules, Xena, you know, when they would they did these period shows where they were kind of wearing leather and had swords and horses and things. But you, every once in a while you saw a detail that said, this is a costume that they're wearing. And, and so like one of the things I, I immediately saw was like the sandals, for example. Like I think there was one scene where Matthew was putting on his sandals and there's a buckle on the sandal. I'm like, they didn't have buckles 2000 years ago in, in, in the Holy Land uh, or now, this I'd have to look up, but Matthew also has a lock and key that he uses to lock his house. Uh, and I'm not sure they had a lock and key system back then in the Holy Land. So there's some things like that. But it's so the point my point there is, is there are elements of it that make it feel a little uh, contemporary, um, whether it's the things like costuming or parts of the set. Or even the way they speak, like Mike, you had an example like of some of the language that feels very modern. It's not like lots of these and thous and dust thou, you know, like the pretending to be old speak. Right. They're they're not using like the high queen's English to try to make it sound like they're being really proper or anything. You uh, and at at first, especially like um, we we were talking about how we're coming at this from. Uh, academics or from a teaching standpoint uh, don't look for them to be quoting an approved Bible you know they're right. just, that's not you know don't don't look for that uh, what they're attempting to do and they do very well and it took me a while to get used to it is be relatable yes as if if we were able to put uh, what the apostles and Jesus would say through some sort of translator that would make it come out sounding like 2020 English in America, that's how it would come out. Right. So we can understand it. Uh, when, you know, 
there maybe they would use different kind of analogies and stuff. And some of those analogies we spend Bible studies explaining. Well, this is they all knew about sheep, so that's why they're using <laughs> sheep. <laughs> we don't we don't we're not have a lot of shepherds here in you know uh, in in Buffalo or in Boston, but you know then they did. So let's talk about and learn about shepherds. Uh, you know here they they the one that I mentioned earlier uh, before we uh, started the show was. Jesus was walking and they, they were arguing with him about going through Samaria. And like, this isn't a good idea. And, and he kind of stopped them and, and played the I'm Jesus authority card and said, if we're going to have a question and answer session every time we take a trip, it's going to be really annoying. And there's no way you would ever see question and answer session in the Bible. They wouldn't have that phrase there. But right. we all get that because we do Q&A. I mean, he, he could have said Q&A. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, he was that close. And there's tons of catchphrases and just different mm-hmm. things that are used that you're like, they wouldn't have had that back then, but this right. makes them real. They're not, they don't look fake. They don't seem so different that we can't relate. They're very real. Well, what they're doing, I think, is is doing what the early gospel writers did. They are interpreting what they've seen and understood of Jesus into whoever the audience is. Right. Okay. So that's, I mean, I had to, I had to really clue into that by the second episode or I wouldn't have continued watching it. So I had to say, okay, they're using exactly what the gospel writers would have done. This is my audience. This is what I need to, how I need to explain all of this to them. Right. Matthew is writing, the gospel of Matthew was writing toward a a Hebrew audience. And so Mm -hmm. he, he wrote in Hebrew ways. John was writing to a more Greek audience because he was, or, Luke. Luke. Sorry. Luke. Sorry. <laughs> First, I knew that was wrong. I, the ghost of Scott Hahn was whacking me in the back of the head. So <laughs> he was writing to a more a Greek or Roman audience, actually more of a Roman audience. And so he wrote in that sort of way. And so they each one wrote in a way that the intended audience. Was, and that, that's a good point that they're really bringing it's not that they're saying things like, you know, uh, I, there's an app for that. You know, I mean, like something that, that totally jars you out of it. But you know, given the time, the place, the people, like I'm kind of certain that weddings weren't really like like they didn't have caterers. I, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not really up on first century uh, wedding practice that <laughs> wedding much. <planning. laughs> yeah. But I'm going to guess that it wasn't exactly like that, but it was close enough to to the to what the Bible said that it really brought the important things across. And uh, so that, I, I like that. Um I was okay with the anachronistic stuff because it 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 really brought it home. It really opened up the the gospel in a way that made it. Uh, I mean, this that word again, relatable. You know. Yeah, and that's where the evangelization thing comes in, and it obviously had to be on purpose. Whether it was a real intention of the producers. Or it was the Holy Spirit, which I think in in many ways you can clearly see working through what they were doing, that we want to reach people that may be meeting Jesus and the apostles for the first time in any significant way. Right. And you can play these and say, well, if you want to know what Jesus is about, if you want to get an idea of why I'm so high on Jesus, watch this series and let me know what you think. And you could tell just about anybody and they could have little understanding of Christianity and watch that and say, this is intriguing. I want to know more about him. So let's, let's talk about Jesus then uh, in this uh, played by Jonathan Rumi. And he's a Jesus, like, again, unlike any other screen Jesus I've, I've seen, uh, you know, the, as I mentioned, you know, Maximus Hattel was this ethereal above the earth, Jesus, uh, the, the, who never blinked. Yeah. 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 The Jesus of, of the, the passion played by, um, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel, thank you. Uh, it was m- more down to earth, but still somewhat separate because, well, a he didn't speak English at all in the in the in the movie, but but also because he was go- undergoing the trial of the passion. Uh, but there was that one scene where he was with Mary, you know, where, where we had that flashback scene where he was with Mary and he was making the thing, and that Jesus was a little like this Jesus of the Chosen, but now we have the 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 Jesus of the chosen and he's he's different he's so different mm-hmm. um when he was with the kids that that episode where uh the before he meets the apostles 
where he's the kids are coming to see him every day and hang out with him. And you're like, oh, that's kind of creepy. A guy hanging out with kids. Wait a minute. No, it's not. There is nothing creepy about this because it's Jesus. And he just is perfect with them, obviously. What do you think about what that makes this Jesus so different? There, there, one of the things that is fantastic that he he is this actor yep. who's Catholic, who's a very devout Catholic, by the way, yep. uh, which you mm. can follow him on Facebook and and pray the liturgy of the hours with Jesus. It's really surreal because uh, he, he does that stuff on uh, on his channel. But anyway, he is able to be the humanity of Jesus that you think might you know, can you can imagine like you this is very believable uh-huh. and at the same time come across with the authority and the divinity comes across. He's able to get that in certain aspects. The whole conversation with Nicodemus yes. uh, when they were, t- you know, where they took that John three and just blew it up into a very interesting interpretation of that conversation. And Nicodemus was basically like, I'm in front of God and worshiping he was just right. blown away and jesus didn't back away from oh no no yeah he didn't want him to he wanted him to come right up to him but he wasn't saying you shouldn't act that way with me and he and he owned his divinity in, in a way that had to come through the, in this actor's ability and, and i think he did it i was gonna say i'd have to agree with that he he He's not the i almost want to say he's not the cookie cutter jesus sure of some of the you know, even some of the stuff that I use for faith formation when they have actors portraying Jesus. He's not the cookie cutter Jesus who's kind of walking saying, I'm in human form, but I know I'm divine. Right. You know, it's it's he's he's sort of embraced both halves and uses it when he needs to. Right now, I think in the first season, we're seeing the humanity in him. I have a feeling that's going to switch as we get a little further into the gospel and a little further into the passion story, that's going to change up. Yes. But I'm dying to see him do Gethsemane folks. I Ugh. mean, that to me, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that now. We got a little taste of it with the, the children scene when he was, he spent so much time praying mm-hmm. uh, and he was making things and he, and he, he knew his life was changing as he was going into public ministry. You could see his praying and and listening to his father. I want to mention one other thing about how this actor does this. And I remember seeing it in a preview and then seeing it in, in the actual episode. And I don't remember which number, but it's the, it's the one where he calls Peter from the boat and he multi causes the fish, the big fish catch that just blows Peter Mm. away. And, and it's, it's so subtle and so simple, but he just does a little, a head tilt. (laughs) <laughs> that that is kind of like just says like yep i know it's pretty cool aren't i it was just perfect and it was so human it was such yes. a human kind of like and he was smiling like i know you know it, it's it the was, joy was, that he feels at giving yeah. peter this thing that he yeah. knows peter's gonna fl- you're gonna flip out when i do this for you and i'm so excited to do this for you and he did it and and it, and it's like and now you can relate to when jesus does those things for you like that's jesus yeah. going yeah this is what if you just pay attention and trust me, these are the kind of you things know, that it kept. And Peter trusted to let him into the boat. And yes. then he did that for him. It was, it was, it was an awesome scene. So one of the things I wanted to say about, but this is most times when you see Jesus depicted on screen is either way in the divinity side, like I keep mentioning about Max von Sydow, or way too much on the human side. And you, you, you hardly know he's, he's, you know, divine at all. There's this that is Jeremy Cisco one that they did uh, not too long ago where it was like, oh, my gosh, that was horrible. Right. He was so, he was to the point of being confused and not sure of himself at times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is the most balanced Jesus I think I've ever seen on screen. This is the, the perfect balance between the humanity and the divinity. Uh, and you, you don't feel like there's a division or a conflict between them either. It's integrated. And I, I credit that to the to the actor and to the writing and to the director. I think. It just works so well. I don't think another actor might have done as well with this as as Jonathan Rumi does. It's 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 perfect as it is. You think of a, and this is a a weird analogy. You know, you'll know why I'm doing it because it's Star Wars. But when you <laughs> saw uh, Hayden Christensen struggle with playing Ugh. Anakin, I'm yes. I'm going to be evil. I'm supposed to be good now, and it turned into just I'm I'm neither. I'm just stale. You know, <laughs> right. I'm I'm hoping he's a better actor than that. But that's just how you know, and it's almost like. For whatever reason, you know, it's not easy to play Jesus. Let's just 
you know, no. you're, 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 you got two wills and two natures. Yeah. So it's, uh, and it doesn't seem like it's effort for this actor. He doesn't yeah. seem like, you know, and I think that I'm not going to say, oh, it's because he's Catholic, but I mean, here's a guy who goes to communion. Here's a guy who obviously has a relationship with Christ and that is, uh, informing and in coming out in his acting. Mm. Uh, I, I, yep. I believe personally that that's what he's doing. So I, we got a lot to cover. <laughs> we could spend a lot of time talking just about Jesus. We could spend a lot of time Jesus. on Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> we don't spend too much time talking about Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Because uh, the rest of this is going to be about Jesus, too. Uh, and I want to talk about the first episode in Mary Magdalene. And uh, the first episode almost lost me. I have to be honest. It was a, it was a risky move they took because mm. Jesus isn't in it until the very end. It's all about Mary Magdalene and how she was before she met Jesus. And Nicodemus. It introduces Nicodemus, who is an amazing both character and the actor who plays him. We'll talk about him in a second. But Mary Magdalene then has this conversion moment, this healing that she receives from Jesus. And then through the rest of the season, it is right there with with the apostles. She is, if you know, she's literally like his right hand woman in, you know, next to, next to him. She and and that is biblical. The you know the women traveled with the apostles in Jesus, uh, and so we I assume we'll be seeing more women uh, joining them over time. But that's and I like that we're getting that depiction here that she plays a key role in as a disciple here uh, in this. So, uh, but that first episode was pretty pretty amazing, and to see that conversion for her, they didn't overdo. Her sinfulness that sometimes you could see uh, filmmakers and actors can sometimes revel a little too much in her her former bad ways. Uh, they didn't overdo that. They didn't spend too much time on it. And her conversion is beautiful. It's really amazing. I, I I'm going to play the woman card here for a little bit, <laughs> um, only because I think it's relevant that they the first disciple that they actually show is a woman. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I, I have to roll with that because I'm seeing as they develop the women characters, the women characters are getting Jesus. They're yes. understanding him. They're and in fact they're even asking him questions, which I'm not sure would be applicable in first century <laughs> Judea, but they're they're getting his message. And it's the men around him who are you know, just as they've been depicted right. throughout the Bible is not quite sure we're quite there. And yeah, they've got to be, you know, especially Peter, who we're going to get to. But um, for for them to use her first yep, to show how most Christians of that time came to know Jesus, it was a conversion moment. And I think it, it still rings true today, even though some of us are, you know, baptized as, as infants, there's come some moment in our lives when we have to have that sort of a conversion, right. subtly or overt. And I think to show that as the very first thing was genius, mm -hmm. I have to admit. Yeah, I like risky and then genius uh, is it, it worked. Uh, and it's another bad analogy. It reminds me of the, they didn't mean to do it, but with Jaws, you didn't see the shark right away. Like, this is about a shark. Where is he? And you don't see Jesus right away. And it works because there's that, that anticipation. And what they did was from Nicodemus's point of view, there was before and after he didn't yeah. see the conversion, but he saw the difference and other people saw the difference. The other guy didn't that they reported to Nicodemus didn't even talk to Mary. He just saw her and clearly saw, this is a different person. I got to go tell him. So you get the, what happens when you encounter Jesus? You get someone who was down and out, that bartender that they had uh, as a, uh, someone that she played off of and met was, was great. I, I love yep. the, the, the little back and forth they had. Uh, and she was at the end of a rope. She, she just, showed it that way and they didn't go out you know for the unbiblical prostitute narrative I, I there might have been some hints of that but it really was more about the one thing we do know for sure about her former life she was possessed by seven demons right or or or, or you know that and that was great and i love the fact that she was known by a different name 
And then when she was, when she was, um, when she converted, she reverted back to her real name. Which Jesus so, called her by. Right. Yes. And so I thought that was perfect. Which kind of recalls a, like a religious life, like where she's entered into a religious life in a sense with Jesus following him that, that she's like a, like sister Mary, you know, you, you might say. Yeah. And she, and she's, she, I, I don't want to say she's a mother figure to the apostles because of her age, but she is kind of like that sisterly womanly, as you were saying earlier, that, that feminine presence that helps them. Yes. To see things the way that, that can be helpful and that she has that relationship and Jesus can take her off to the side and she helps bring him Nicodemus. I mean, it was, it was, it was great the way they, they imagined how she might be in that group. Mm. Let's talk about Nicodemus played by Eric Avari, who, if you've ever watched any genre TV, he's been in Stargate and Star Trek and you know, everything. Uh, He always plays. He's a great character actor. He's never a lead actor. He is so great in this as Nicodemus. And in case you don't know who Nicodemus is, if you're not, if you haven't watched it yet, he was a Pharisee and at the crucifixion, he was the one who came, uh, you know, and stood up for uh, Jesus was it wasn't he the one that stood for Jesus along with Joseph of Arimathea who came to take the body like there were the two Pharisees who were mm-hmm. followers of Jesus and so uh he is well respected he's a big man in 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 the the uh the Pharisee community and uh, a teacher and he starts to really like against all odds against the expectations of the of the right kind of Pharisee <laughs> ends up Becoming so enamored of Jesus that right to the very end, and this is a bit of a spoiler, Joanne, so because I know you haven't seen this part yet, but right to the very end, he's almost becomes one of the apostles. He almost goes off from Capernaum with the apostles and Mary Magdalene and and into the itinerant life, and he leaves behind all of his 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 wife, his family, his position, his 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 reputation. He almost did that, but at the last minute, couldn't, um, and it. And you could see it, it tore him up inside. Yeah, I am so I am so identifying with Nicodemus right now. Yeah, it, it be for many many different reasons. He that character is really speaking to me at the moment. So I could actually see that. I I, I love the portrayal, but in the even in the Gospels, he is portrayed as one who comes to Jesus at night, you know, in the shadows to try to learn from him. So you. You know, you've got the predisposition. The gospel does does tell us that. But it's it's almost it's the old way versus the new way. You know, Nicodemus is is a, a caretaker of the old way of the Jewish, you know, the Jewish tradition. Yet he and because of that, he believes in the prophecy. So he knows the prophecy has to become fulfilled. He has not been tricked like some of the others into believing that. You know, the, the old way is the is going to perpetuate itself. See where it, some of you might know where I'm going with this. I won't say it overtly, but I think um, our church is also at that point in time where things are happening now, especially with the way life is going. And I see in Nicodemus that that tension of wanting to stay with the old way yet knows that this is the fulfillment jesus is the fulfillment of the new way and you and he is just being drawn to him like a fly to the to the light right i think with the with nicodemus it's the 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 because he shows with his interaction with the other pharisees how the pharisees have kind of elevated their own traditions their own ways of doing things over and above the word of god i think at one point one of the pharisees says to him that the the pharisaical law is god <laughs> like he literally comes out and says it and and i think that like nicodemus is like you, you know don't tell anyone that that you're my student anymore <laughs> like basically like <laughs> don't go around talking like that and telling people that i taught you uh, and i think he's seeing that yeah like like you say he's he's beginning to separate from you know what is man made versus what is of god and is it's like the scales are, be, are falling from his eyes and you see this journey he takes through this season, this these eight episodes that he takes. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing where he he's going from here, uh, you know, in the future. I mean, obviously, we know where he where he ends up in the Bible, but I want to <laughs> see that journey with, that takes him to that destination. 
Yeah, Nicodemus is in it for the long, he's playing the long game. In other words, he, he's, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't get him right away, but God is patient and Nicodemus will come around. And we know he does with, uh, you know, at the end with the burial and, and he's a part of that. And Nicodemus is one of John's, John teaches us about Nicodemus. I don't know if he's in the other gospels. I don't, I don't remember him. And and the two things are when he comes to him at night in, in, in the third chapter, uh, and that's the famous 316, you know, uh, that's said to Nicodemus, uh, John 316. And then he's at the end with the crucifixion. But one of the things about Nicodemus that makes him very unique uh, is you have to look at what John's gospel is constantly showing us, where Jesus is saying, you know, some of you get it and you recognize who I am. I'm the one you've been worshiping all along in the Old Testament. You know, you, you see me, my miracles, my teaching. And then there's those who really should know, ones like Nicodemus, like Pharisees, who should recognize God when he's in front of you and you don't. And you could see the frustration or the, the you know, Jesus wasn't happy with them. He didn't have any much patience for, you know, I, I can see your heart and I know why this is. And Nicodemus comes to him and says, Obviously, you come from God. This is basically his his opening statements in the third chapter of John. We can tell no one does what you do and isn't from God. So he's already overcome what his fellow Pharisees just struggled with the whole time. Uh, and but but he's not able to give up all the trappings of his life just yet. Right. Right. He's kind of like St. Augustine. Lord, you know, help me follow you, but not yet. <laughs> Make me holy, but not yet. <laughs> I do like when Nicodemus encounters John the Baptist. John has been arrested. And there's this interesting scene where like John is disreputable. He's he is like this wild, the wild man of the of the of the desert, you know, and uh, he's got very little use for Nicodemus and the Pharisees. But there's this interesting exchange between them that really, again, advances Nicodemus and makes him think, makes him question, makes him wonder what's going on here. There's something big afoot and I need to get to the bottom of it because he's above all, he is an honest man and he's a, he is a God loving, God fearing man. And uh, that's what draws him in and and drives him. He's willing to search for the truth and John doesn't trust him right away. And you can see in that conversation when you watch that episode that suddenly the, I don't remember what it was, but the penny drops for John and he's like, wait a minute, this guy does get it. Yeah. And then he tells him things uh, that he wasn't didn't think he was ready to hear at the, uh, when he first came to him. So let's move on to talk about uh, the first of the the apostles, not the one you'd think. Uh, I want to talk about Matthew first, because I find him probably the most fascinating uh, character that they've developed uh, because Matthew is a tax collector. And you, you kind of say, who, what kind of what kind of Jew would work with the Romans and become a tax collector? Well, uh, Matthew, as they depict him here, is on the spectrum. Asperger's autistic even, which, you know, 2000 years ago would not be, would just, he'd just be weird. You know, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to say, you know, that's, that's a, a personality quirk or, or whatever, but, but he, he's obviously played to be, you know, really socially awkward, doesn't get social cues. Uh, he's really good with math. He prefers numbers over people and all these sorts of things. He's been alienated from his family because because he, 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 at one point he talks about how, well, I became a tax collector because I'm really good with numbers and they needed someone to, to do that. And that was natural for me. So why shouldn't I do that? Like he doesn't get the the social political ramifications of working for the Romans and with their onerous taxes. Uh, and, and you see he but he sees Jesus and he's trying to calculate Jesus. He's trying to f- mm. figure him out. He's trying to develop an algorithm that explains what can't be explained. And at first he's doing it on behalf of the Romans, but eventually he kind of ditches the Romans and follows Jesus. And the Romans are like, what? <laughs> you, you can't quit. <laughs> no one quits the Romans. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but I, I, I do, I really came to really enjoy seeing this character because it represents part of the wide range of, personalities the white the, the the many kinds of people i know christians like matthew frankly i've met many of them and uh, th- there are a lot of them because i think jesus attracts a certain kinds of personality types and this is one of the ones that, that he attracts oh, what did you guys think of matthew the uh the the character of matthew as well as peter uh 
the other apostles haven't you you haven't gotten into their personalities quite as much a little bit of thomas a little bit of andrew but matthew and peter are the big ones and and this is where you get the title of the series the chosen uh, a conscious decision by the producers to make this through the eyes of the apostles and we're going to give them personalities so you have there's more than just matthew the tax collector he wrote a gospel and that's really all we know we're going to give them personalities that could be true it doesn't no one says it's not true and since Matthew was a tax collector, you know, you could imagine this might have been him. And at the very least, it helps us develop an idea. You know, one of the, the best parts about Matthew's uh, early scenes is he has a caretaker Roman guy that's with him. And Matthew wants to talk to the head honcho of the Romans. I forget his name. The Praetor. Quintus. Quintus. Thank you. Yeah. Quintus. And, and Matthew is not afraid at all. His Roman escort is terrified like I, he does not want to even go in with matthew when he first goes to talk to him but then he does matthew it's it's like he's in front of uh, you know a fire-breathing dragon and he just doesn't really care and he just wants to explain something and, and you know it's like this guy can have you killed anytime he wants and and matthew's like well actually you need me i can help you with this and is very audacious in the way he approaches it uh so you know his character is is at the same time funny, almost like the Sheldon Cooper character who was yes. also on purpose played uh, with Ashberger kind of quirks, um, but gave him a personality that you could, you could get inside his head and, and kind of see what was going on. And the, 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 the thing that happened for him is he was spying on Peter for the Romans and ended up seeing Jesus perform the miracle where G Peter caught all the fish. And that didn't compute. That was like for, for, Matthew, that that I can't do an algorithm for that. And that's what really drew him in. Like, so there's something more. And it's like it awakened the emo some sort of stirrings in him that he never, never were part of his modus operandi before. And, you know, and then and then Jesus calls him. And that was like awesome. I think I think Matthew is is the epitome of the chosen. Because we know as Christians that Jesus did not come for just the Jews, that Jesus came for everyone. So what this particular production is doing is giving you everyone, every different quirk, every different type of person, every different nuance. And he is that part of the vulnerable in our society, that even though he is important because he can compute things for the Romans and Quintus thinks he's a cute little thing. You know, you're just enjoyable. I'm not going to kill you because you make me laugh. Right. Um, you know, it shows you that Jesus comes for everyone, that everyone matters, that everyone figures out, figures into his kingdom. So playing them all and he, playing them all like that. And he's, I, I it was, I, I was totally amazed that they would make a character be on the spectrum and and put him as a an apostle i was just yeah, like, wow. not just any character but like saint matthew right you know, one like of the, the apostles we know a lot about the gospel <laughs> yeah, yeah he wrote a gospel he's the tax collector we know about him and and it also sets him up to have a great dynamic with the other apostles because he doesn't mm. always get them and they certainly don't get him so there's there's great back and forth there too yeah, and this group was not a homogeneous group. I mean, the we always think that the apostles, especially if you Jesus Christ superstar, you know, they're all kind of sitting there, you know, loving each other and being wonderful, and they could never fight with each other. Oh no, every one of these people is totally different, and they have to fit into this group, you know. And it's interesting. I love the fact that he has a dog that he's befriended. Because yes. that <laughs> that's it. And only a dog would love him. I mean, that's like he, yes. he tries to go home one time and. And 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 he realizes I, I can't go in there, so he ends up just sitting with his dog. Well, and the fact that dogs were were rejected that they they people didn't have dogs as pets back then. They the dogs were you know in the towns were rejected as unclean and dirty. You know necessities at times to as watchdogs, but but they weren't pets like we think of them today. So uh, the fact that he he made a pet of this dog because it was unwanted, like he's unwanted and. And, and that so that they was, needed each other yes uh so and then peter let's talk about peter peter is probably the the most unlike what i think of when i thought think of saint peter 
um, he's a bit of a criminal, <laughs> you know, uh, he's a scammer. He's, you know, trying to cheat the Romans. He's he fishes on the Sabbath. You know, he he's kind of, you know, he's a cage fighter. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, in some ways, like he's he's hot headed, which we did know from from uh, the, the Bible. We, we you know, he's hot headed. He kind of leaps into things too quick. Uh, as again, we will see, you know, uh, we see in the gospel. Uh, so, but he's also Jesus's biggest champion. And he, he kind of also wants to protect him. He's like, look, mm. I know you're, you're, you're a little naive about the world, Jesus. I, I'll be, I'll be here to fight off the bad guys. I'm the tough guy. He, he takes the role of the, uh, oh shoot. What's the word I'm looking for? Basically the publicity agent, you know, uh, when he's first giving that talk in that one house, he's going around mm-hmm. saying, you know about this guy, like as if he was passing out flyers or something. Yeah. And, and one of the best scenes for, for Peter, I mean, there's so many. Uh, but when, when Jesus says to Peter, uh, he's like, Peter goes, I, I know you knew what I was thinking. And he's like, uh, Peter, everyone here knows what you're thinking. You don't have to be God to know <laughs> you don't need God's yeah. wisdom to know this. And everyone, all the apostles are looking at him nodding yeah. their heads like, yeah, we yeah. all knew yeah. what you were thinking. Just, just from God, just from the gospels, I've always felt that Peter was one that wore his heart on his sleeve. You know, that you, you know who he is, that there's no pretense what you see is what you get. And, but the criminal part of it, I wasn't, I was surprised. I was like, Oh, we're going to go down that road. All right, let's see how that works. But then there's his wife. Yes. I was going to bring her up. She's awesome. Again, another woman here who is sort of the redemption of this man. She makes him better than he is because he's married to her. And you see that. And there's one point where Jesus says, you know, we're going ahead, but you need to go home. You know, you're married, you have something to deal with at home. And it's his mother-in-law. And we know right. later on that's going to figure into something. Well, but in the episode eight, that comes to a resolution. Yeah. 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 So, you know, but you're, you're also seeing the other part of him because we know he was married. He really, he's, he's the only one we know that was married in the Gospels. So, but I like her because she is that woman. She's that woman who stands by her man. There's that there is a great moment in, in episode in the episode eight where they're about to go off on their apostolic, you know, their journey. And uh, there is this is the where we have the healing of, of Peter's mother in law and Jesus pulls her aside. Her name is Eden. And he pulls her aside after he sends, you know, uh, P, uh, Peter off to do something. And he talks to her. He's like, look, you are one flesh, you and Peter. And he's coming with me. But you have a role to play, too. You know, even though you're staying here, you are vital. And he kind of talks to her like as a person, as as an important person and explains like you are like because she's going eventually Peter's going to Rome. You know, Mm. we know, you know, in history and she's presumably unless she passes away young. We don't know anything about Jesus's wife. Uh, except that he uh, Peter's had one. wife. Peter's we wife. Sorry, Jesus didn't have a wife. Sorry, please forgive me. <laughs> Watch <laughs> it. Let's edit that out. Edit we don't know anything post. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that'll come out in post. Uh, we don't know anything about <laughs> Peter's wife, other than that she existed. But but she has a role to play in Peter's mm-hmm. life. And like you said, Joanne, uh, our our spouses make us better people. Our, our mm-hmm. you know my wife makes me better. Uh, hopefully, I make her better. And and in this, we see that illustrated how she makes Peter a better person and, and, the, and Jesus recognizes that. And I love that they, he draws that out in, in that scene. We don't even know if she was alive. I mean, we, she's never in the Bible, right? Uh, and, we, and the mother-in-law is, but we don't know that Peter was still married. It's, it's certainly conceivable that she, you know, died young in, in those times, but she is similar to Mary Magdalene, but obviously, you know, in her own way, uh, the way the men can find their way to Jesus, uh, you know, and, and it's scriptural, you know, when, when a, a good wife and a good mother is described uh, in the Old Testament Psalms, it's like, this is someone who will help you to see Jesus and it's, or, you know, and find God. And that's similar to the way Adam first saw Eve, there's the one and she's the crowning jewel of creation. And, and it really, it's really neat. And it's, it shows us the role of women for for God and how vitally important it is. And if we 
you know, and Joanne, you could obviously speak to this better than me, but if, <laughs> when we when we try to make the role of women the role of men, we lose mm-hmm. a vital part of what God's plan was. Yeah. And, 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 and as a woman, I can say it's very hard for those of you who, who know Proverbs, it's very hard to live up to the Proverbs 31 woman. She is just <laughs> too perfect in every way. Um, but we are the women, women have a role in the kingdom and it's not the man's role. It's a different role unto ourselves. And for, to see Jesus, this, this character, Jesus bringing this out of all the women that he encounters, even if it's somebody's, you know, even if they're just in his group and they're asking him questions and he looks at them and he calls them by name. And that would never have been done in first century Judea, only because women were less than children, I think, or women and children are in the same boat. You know, they were to be seen and not heard and stuffed in a corner. But you even, there was one one that impressed me in that scene where they're all at Zebedee's house. There's a woman standing at the door and she's pregnant, you know, and, and obviously so, you know, and it, it was just a really, again, another cross section of everybody is invited to listen, to get the message, to be in the kingdom. Even in the children scene, it's a little girl yeah. that first mm-hmm. brings everybody to Jesus. It's it, This isn't a mistake that they're doing this. And nope. the role of women isn't something that can be done without if you take the women out of the story that the way they're presenting it nothing works right you, you take mary magdalene you take that little girl yeah you, t- you, you take mo- the blessed mother you take them out mm-hmm. of it as we know doesn't work and uh, i i do i do think it's interesting that the uh the person who leads the group that brings the paralytic to be healed by lowering to the roof mm-hmm. is another woman is that woman. jesus encountered so speaking of important women we have to speak about the most important woman, uh, and that's Mary, his mother, uh, which we have this great episode, which is all about the wedding feast at Cana. And uh, it starts with a flashback. And there are lots of flashbacks to it, to different eras, either into this flashback is to earlier in Jesus's life, but other flashbacks are to older parts of the Bible. And uh, but this one is flashback to the finding of Jesus in the temple. So we have Mary and Joseph who find or, you know, out of their minds looking for Jesus in the streets of Jerusalem, you know, 12 year old Jesus. And they find it. That's how the episode begins. Uh, don't you know you would find me in my father's house? I, I just love that part. And and then we have Jesus and Mary. And to see that first encounter between Jesus and Mary at when he when he comes to the house in Cana and the joy, the love in that, like he adores her and she adores him. And it was so beautiful. It was one of, it was one of the moments when I, you know, teared up a little and, and it was just so moving. And it was like, what a great moment. Like, it's not the traditional, you know, the Mary, again, the ethereal Mary, the removed Mary, the nearly divine Mary. She's She's not wearing a blue veil, you know, like which would be an anach- it would be an anachronism because they would she wouldn't have been wearing a blue veil then, but uh, necessarily maybe, but but I, I don't 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 quote me on that, but but she's wearing very first century seeming just regular clothing of a woman from Nazareth whose husband was a carpenter, you know, it just she just seemed very down to earth, but but loving. She's at this wedding. She's doing everything she can to help prepare for the wedding. I forget what was the connection with her and the 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 mother of the groom. They her were best obviously friend. just friends. They were friends. Yeah. Okay. And 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 this is, I know some people. I, I had some people complain about the way Mary's predicted uh, depicted, and from from Catholics. And I was just like, really? Uh, especially coming from, I know they had a priest. You know. Uh, as part of their advisory staff, but this is coming from, you know, evangelicals and Christians, you know, mostly, and they did a great job. They, mm, they right. took the, they, what they did with that beginning scene, the flashback to the uh, finding in the temple is Jesus said, where do you, you know, where else would you expect to find me? And Mary's, I don't remember actually how she said it, but it was okay, Jesus, but not yet. Like this is, <laughs> you're 12 and I, I get it, but give me a break. Yeah, uh, I'm not know, ready let us for raise this. you first, you know, <laughs> yeah. and Jesus said, if not now, when, and they set that all up mm-hmm. for literally showing us 
that Mary was the one who said when. Yes. She's the one who said now. And Jesus wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously he's aware, he's divine, but uh, he isn't depicted as I'm waiting for Mary to come up to me. He, he just comes up and says, that. he's like, oh, really? He's about to go dancing with uh, Andrew, who apparently can't dance, which is another great part of the that episode. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and Mary is also introduced by Jesus before they get to her as, I, I think it was like the most powerful woman I know. I mean, he was like, this mm. is the most formidable woman I know. And they're like, who are you talking about? He goes, my mother. <laughs> it was great. I mean, Jesus was like, there's one woman that, you know, has me who's, uh, who, who, you know, is above, you know, he places her on a pedestal. It's his mom. It was great. And, 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 and it was very, uh, Catholic. Uh, I at least so. I, the way I took it, it was very Catholic. As Catholic as you can expect an evangelical production to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. And maybe even more, and in, more in, so. in some ways. I yeah. could see how that, what they were doing, you know, uh, but, yeah, I was not like disappointed. They they had a lot of respect for her. Right. I do like that, by the way, that at the wedding at Cana, Thomas, the apostle, uh, doubting Thomas, is the wine caterer <laughs> who's who's tasked with uh, the, the you know, filling up the, uh, the 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 washing jugs with the waters for Jesus to turn into the wine and doubting the whole time. I just loved that. They made that connection. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. They perfect. did a similar thing with the Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, the Thomas you know, apostle was like the doubter kind of skeptic the whole the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Poor it, Thomas. it was neat. Yeah, yeah, it would be, yeah forever. As a priest that uh, I used to work for once said in a homily, you know, he missed one staff meeting and forever <laughs> after that, he's always the doubter. Any one of those 12 could have not been there that one Sunday and come back later and said, yeah, I'm not buying this until I see it. It just happened to be him. <laughs> but so. uh I want to kind of wrap things up uh, relatively quickly. I just want to mention the Romans uh, were uh, the Praetor Quintus totally reminds you of John Delancey. I keep I, I looked him up yes. in fact to see if he was like John Delancey's son. Uh, he John Delancey is the actor who played Q on Star Trek mm-hmm. and, and yes. a bunch of other things. Oh my god, he is a yeah. he is a Q type <laughs> person. Yeah. Totally. I was when you said that, I'm like, is John Delancey Q? Because that's exactly who he reminded me of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you totally. almost expected him to just like flash into existence and say, hey, you know, exactly <laughs> like him. And you, you remind me of Picard. No. <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, and, and the or data. And it's interesting that the Romans, while, while all of the uh, the the uh, the Jew, the actors who play Jewish characters all have an accent, which is not a natural accent. They're They're playing an accent. Uh, but the Romans all have American accents. If you, I don't know if you noticed that, it's very interesting they played it that way uh, to really make that separation uh, clear. Uh, except for no, no, I think Eric Avari is also doing an accent. Uh, he's got a bit of an accent to begin with. So mm. uh, then um, there are the miracles. I, I, I guess we kind of talked about those, uh, but they're the miracles that Jesus performs at different times. Um, the flashbacks I mentioned. Uh, we see a flashback of. Uh, Jacob's well uh that's in the last episode with the where we end up with the, the woman, woman at the well the woman at the mm. well which is excellent episode yeah d- excellent don't miss that uh but also we see the uh the uh, an ancient v- form of the sabbath meal um mm. the that that we get and we get a couple of those uh flashbacks uh, uh, the ones but i want to talk about the future of this this series if you know they they're planning to do this seven seasons I just want to, before we move ahead, just okay. real quick, never before had uh, had I seen miracles done by Jesus the way they did him here in the sense that when he cured a leper, they they used CGI to hmm. show the leprosy disappearing. So it wasn't like kind of like, you know, well, he had leprosy and now he doesn't like you just it was they were showing the apostles and that woman who brought the paralytic later on watching this man's leprosy disappear. So it was a very powerful scene where this he really does do things that are uh, supernatural. Yes. And I like that. Well, what I think they're also doing is they're not just showing the miracle, but they're showing the reactions to the miracle, how people yeah. are interpreting what they're experiencing. Because usually when you see it on the movies, it's just the big spectacular CGI or the big, you know, build up to and there's the miracle. This is like the miracle is there and you're watching everybody watch it. 
Yeah. Once again, it, it's the chosen. It's their point of view that we're getting. And, it, and mm-hmm. it's good. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about the future of this. The, just, we don't know much about the future, except it's going to be the rest of the gospels. And, uh, and as I watch this, I keep, there's a, there's a little thing in the back of my head, you know, we got seven seasons to go, which is great, but I'm thinking, I don't know if I'll be able to watch this Jesus <laughs> go through the passion and the crucifixion. Uh, because I, like we said, he's so relatable. He's so good. What do you think? That's what we need. <laughs> we need we need to be invested in him. You know, as a I don't want to say just as a character, but we need to be invested in what's going to happen here yeah. because that's what Christians should be. They should be invested in what has happened so that they can go forth and tell the story. So we need to be totally invested. I think that so far, and I said this when we did the podcast on the passion, so far they are showing us this art form as a true art form where similar to how we can look at Da Vinci or uh, Michelangelo and be inspired by the the divine uh, and, and be lifted up is like a, is how we, uh, the church defines art, sacred art or something that lifts you up. Uh, this is this is doing it a lot. And yeah. so you can legitimately legitimately say that if you have an experience of feeling closer or being drawn to the divine when you watch this, that's a that's a real thing that that used to be done with painting and sculptures and still is. And now it can be done with cinema, TV. And it's real. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of being a little tongue in cheek when I said that, like, I'm not sure I can watch this because I think that's a really good point, because one of the things I think that what made the passion successful that I think this show could make successful if it continues the way it does is it can become routine for us to experience the crucifixion every year uh, through Lent onto Good Friday, you know, in the East. Here comes Easter's resurrection. And it kind of becomes routine. We kind of wrote we say the words on Palm Sunday and Good Friday, crucify him, crucify him. And it, it just when you do it enough, it becomes the same thing. But what these do is they kind of break us out of that. The That's what that's one of the things that, that the Passion of the Christ did for me. And that's what I think this show could do for me is it to mm. break me out of the routine of hearing the same gospels over and over again, representing it in a new way that makes me appreciate it all the more. So that when we come to the crucifixion, I'm going to be thinking of this Jesus who's relatable, who's, mm-hmm. who's, who's such a good guy. How could anyone want to crucify him? Yes. He's so good. So holy. So you're know, doing such good for people. And that's, I think if anything, if, if this show does anything, that will be its great contribution. Yeah. And we don't have to have the, the abstract thought of Jesus in our heads. And we do have our personal relationship, but sometimes we, we we need help you know we're as catholics we need pictures we need, we 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 take all the physical things that god gives us to help us including the sacraments to help us relate and now we can take this and some of the when you talk about the future you know think about this we haven't met judas yet how no, are they no. going to do him how are, mm. what is his personality going to be like? that's going to be very interesting is he going is he going to be played as uh, a good guy, you know, how are they going to have Hayden Christensen do it and have him try it again? I don't know. You know, uh, I mean, it's, you know, that, that, that'll be an interesting choice. And, and how about watching Jesus see his apostles abandon him? Mm. How about watching these guys? We're going to watch them be this, this ensemble and this together. And, and Peter deny and watch him. them run away yeah. and yeah. Peter deny him and all the other ones leave him in the garden and, I mean, it's yep. going to be gut wrenching. Uh, I'm waiting for so if, if Hayden Christian does play Judas, I want to have him yell at him. You were the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had to do that. Oh, yeah. But I think of like all of the miracles that we get coming too. We get the feeding of the five thousand. We get the raising of Lazarus and the whole walking thing with Martha water. and Mary. The walking. I, on water. Yeah, I want to see Martha and Mary. There's oh, what are those kids? Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Talk about like. And and also, they yeah, they, it's not like they pulled out. Well, what, how many seasons do you want to do? I don't know. Eight. You know, they obviously have this mapped out. They have a plan. Like, this is how they we're going to do it. You know, and, and so it's at least an idea of of moving forward. And 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 obviously, if you watch some of the YouTube videos, you'll see the before and afters with the producer uh, and get to know his personality and see how honest and true I, I he comes across to me as someone who 
truly is doing this as a, a calling and not, you know, he's, he's not trying to make money or, or, or pull the wool over eyes or anything like that. Um, you, you can really get the idea that uh, this is totally fascinating to him too. Like, he's like, wow, I can't believe we got $10 million. We're going to be able to do this whole thing. Uh, another Star Wars analogy, Lucas is like, well, I'll try to make the whole movie once, but I mean, I really like to make three, you know, and he, and it worked and he made three. <laughs> so yeah. this is working and he can maybe do all eight seasons and get us to those, you know, those scenes we fear seeing, you know, at the end, right. that is going to be hard to watch. Uh, just, you know, keep praying for this, this series to to keep it up. I think that's a good way uh, place to to bring this to a close. I, I do I do just want to finish by saying I'm going to be watching this over again. <laughs> I'm trying to get my wife Me to watch too. it. I want my daughter to watch it. Uh, I think I'm going to watch it again because it's just there's more to to experience. Uh, I'll be this. doing studies on it in in the, the new parish I'm working at in Columbus, Ohio, uh, pretty yeah. soon. What a great yeah. tool this is for yeah. faith formation. I'm already yeah. thinking of it. <laughs> and they'll be and they'll and guarantee you there'll be uh books study and materials guides and, books, and things yeah. written that you can that you can use. They'll they'll be out there for sure. All right. Let's uh so as we wrap it up, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including this time Lenora G, Don C, Andrew W, Chris M, and Robert W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows we do at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What, what do you think of The Chosen? We'd love to hear what you think and how it's affected you or whether you think uh, uh, the, how this compares to other depictions of Jesus you've seen. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page or send us an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of the chosen. Thanks, John. Mike Dens, thank you as well. And I encourage everybody, if, you, if you'd like a part two, uh, if I may be so bold, Send us emails and comments about what we missed that we didn't talk about. Maybe we'll do another one. (laughs) Maybe we will. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest. Quest.